And we're back with another edition of City View with Mayor Tom Koch. I'm Mark Carey, as media director, and we are in the mayor's office, and let's just get started. Hey, Mayor, how are you? Well, I guess. What's going on? Uh, good, good. Beautiful uh, beautiful day out today on this Wednesday that we're recording this of the third, fourth week of, third, third is, week of January. It is a nice day. It is 19th. January. The sun is out. Been a little chilly lately, but it is January. It has been. It has been a bit chilly lately. It always blows uh, my mind how worked up we get. I know. When it gets cold or when the snow's coming, you know, it happens every year. Winter comes along. All the snow is melted. January. I don't see any snow in sight looking out of yeah, your window here. So You wouldn't anyway on the headquarters Adams Common. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, of course not. <laughs> well, the, uh, unfortunately, most of the Christmas stuff's down. And uh, pretty soon they'll be taking the Christmas trees away, I'm sure. It is, but the bridge is open. The governor was in to help us open that last week. Yes, Governor Baker was in, and we, we had a great lunch, he and I. And, uh, and then we went over and officially opened the bridge. It was completed, but... Um, we were doing making official. He couldn't be with us, as you know, on the day of the dedication to the generals and their families because he was yeah. at the statewide 9-11 memorial that day, So as he should have been. So he couldn't be with us in the event. So we thought we'd do a little ribbon-cutting having him down because it was really through his leadership. Mass, the state paid for that bridge. But not only paid for the bridge, but, you know, because it was dedicated to a number of military folks, a lot of extra effort went into the aesthetics of it. It's a really handsome bridge. It's not a typical mm. set-in-place, typical dot bridge. So, you know, I just want to publicly thank him. Uh, certainly thank our state legislature as well, particularly our delegation, Ron Mariano and Bruce Ayers and uh, Techie Chan and, of course, Senator John Keenan, who are always supportive of the funding for these programs. It's it's huge. So um, so those folks out there, I know we've talked about this in the past, a little critical, uh, you know, Quincy paying for the well, one is the state pay for it. Two is it's it's part of the economic development of Quincy Center, which we talked about before. It's going to lead to a number of projects being developed. So it's good stuff. But but it was nice to see the families again. Ron Rand, who was a general, Air, Rand, general yeah. from Air Force, retired. He was one of 12 kids from Quincy Point. Uh, him and some of his siblings were there for it. He flew up for it. And uh, it's great to see him again, his brother Al and sister Dottie, uh, and a number of other folks. And, of course, General Sweeney's family. Uh, I saw a number of his family members, kids and grandkids, and Good to see them, as always. A number of them served in the military uh, along with their with their father and grandfather. And then, of course, uh, Joe McConville was there, the father of uh, the general. Good guy. Jim McConville, a great Good guy, guy. With, with a couple of others, a couple of his other boys. Um, and so it was nice to see them all come out and and uh, say hello. And now to be open for traffic, people can use it. And somebody actually said to me this morning, geez, I took it off of Bergen. And I took it all the way through. It leads right into the Kilroy Square garage. I said, yes, that was by design. So it's good stuff. Yeah, good that's stuff. great. That's nice. Well, let's shift gears. We have a new city council president. And I just, you know, in, in thumbing through our favorite Quincy Sun, which we love, we read every single week, uh, the Quincy Sun, I saw uh, Councillor DeBona is now the new city council president. And he has a couple of agenda items that he wants that he's putting. By the way, as a yes, we priority. do read the Quincy Sun, but I also read the ledger. We I also do. read the uh, Wall Street Absolutely. Journal, and I look at the Boston Papers from time to time. I do too, as well. So, I make I'll, that point. Well, I've got the qu- <laughs> people listen. <laughs> I appreciate. We appreciate all of our news organizations that are out there covering everything that is all Quincy. So, thank you. But uh, City Council President uh, Noel DeBona yes, has a couple things on his on his mind and some uh, priorities that he has, and one of them is is uh, rezoning some zoning. Yeah, talk be, a little bit I'll about be that. anxious to chat with him on on some of those issues. Uh, I know last year we introduced. Two zoning items. One, in, in fairness, was just this past fall. The other one was a year ago, last January, uh, and that was the uh, URDP, so Urban Redevelopment District, for the uh, really for the business district of Wellston Center. 
that's been on the news here and there. People are asking what's going on with Wollaston, you know, in, to generate interest, to generate investment. We're doing some zoning changes as a, as a citizens committee involved in it. And uh, so, you know, as part of the process, we introduced new zoning, a new district for Wollaston. And uh, for whatever reason, the chair of the ordinance committee never held one meeting on it during the course of the year. And I know we had COVID, but even by Zoom and, you know, we were still trying to get work done uh, with the challenges we face. A lot of work and meetings were held, certainly by our boards and commissions during that time. So disappointing, the uh, it died in committee. So we reintroducing that in the council. So um, I'm hoping that the council president will uh, will help usher, usher through some of those uh, zoning changes we're recommending. At the end of the day, the city council controls zoning. That's one of their main purposes under the charter. So, so obviously I was disappointed they didn't act on that. I get asked all the time, when is something's going to happen in Wollaston? I said, well, it kind of has to happen in tandem with the new zoning that we're suggesting and recommending. That doesn't mean they have to approve it exactly as presented. That's yeah. the whole point of having a committee and right. to have meetings and yeah. kick it around and if they make changes, they make changes and, and then we have a final product we deal with. So I, I, I'm anxious to, to have some conversations with Councilor DeBona. I, I think that we're in probably in lockstep on we want to make sure we protect particularly residents' areas, those neighborhoods in our city, their single-family homes for the most part, maybe some two, twos mixed in, that um, you know we don't want to create more density in those areas. Um, and when I talked to Jay Duke, one of the things we introduced, uh, it was January of, of 2021, was introduce some zoning changing up in residence A, the ratio, percentage of the lot that the building can take up. So right now under the zoning, you get to be 13 feet off the lot line on the side yard, the backyard, I think 25 feet, the whole bit. So if you have a eight, 8,000 square foot lot for a single family home. You could knock a single family home down and then build this big monster yeah, right, on that lot right. going close to the lot line. So in order to change that, what we're reintroducing that we introduced last year that they didn't do anything on was, was uh, a nice, easy tool that many communities have used. And I got Jay Duke's input on this from inspectional services and that, so that would be roughly the building couldn't be more than a third, the size of the lot. So it, it protects particularly residence A areas, but it protects the space around the building so you're not on top of each other's as far as houses goes. Now, we're an old city. We're built out, so there's a lot of houses. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, at, at my house, I got a driveway on one side, my driveway, and yeah. then it's a two-family. The other side's a two-family with a driveway, their it's driveway. It's a tight, tight neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if they're cooking, you, you know what they're cooking because you can smell <laughs> it. Um, but uh, how do we mitigate going forward for keeping and getting more dense, particularly in the residence area? So this is one of the tools. This isn't the silver bullet, but this is a great tool that Jay thought would immediately have impact. And that's why I was disappointed it didn't get acted on last year yeah, because it, it has immediate impact to help uh, really slow down the density of, of some of these neighborhoods. So I look forward to getting that in along with other issues that we'll be talking to the council about. This was one of the ones we introduced and as, as I mentioned, the other one was the URDP for Wollaston. So it's, it's all good. We've got work to do, but we're making great progress, I think. We, we listen as we go along. People are concerned, raise some issues and some of the zoning stuff, and that's what we're reacting to. So we're, we're trying to make some fixes on these going forward. Sometimes you can't necessarily see five years down the road based on values and things. For, you know, for example, Mark, when we were kids, you never yeah. think that Goldie's Junkyard would ever be built on. You'd never <laughs> think... Some of these uh, places that were loaded with granite ledge would ever be built on. Be but the values became so strong for land value mm. and for land use that well, those things got cleaned up and 
they they blasted the granite out and they build on these things. So yeah. you know we got to be mindful going forward. How do we want the city to look? How to to appear? And how do we protect the character of the neighborhoods that are there now? I think that's enough said on that today. We have a lot to talk that's about that as the, as the as the as the zoning. Uh, everybody goes tuned on. out on yeah. that. One. <laughs> I started to fall asleep just a little bit. No, I'm yeah. kidding. Yeah, no. I, but also, by the way, folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you do hear that cuckoo in the background, it's but you know we're in the mayor's office because he's got a new cuckoo clock or an old cuckoo clock that was finally fixed, and it's an old piece, right, from Germany. I, yeah, I took I got it when I was in Germany in the early '80s. I bought it home for my mother and father. And after two days, my father said, shut that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> it's German heritage. My, my dad's well, uh, father came directly from, from Germany. It was a great trip. So, yeah, it was, it was sitting around. He needed some repairs. So after three years at the clock shop, <laughs> uh, we got it back. And uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm sure the folks will enjoy it. I They'll, thought maybe they, they thought it was a staff. <laughs> no, it's not. Mayor, that's good. Thank you very much for filling us in on that. We'll, we'll keep you in touch. Also, we know that the usually at this time of year, we do a State of the Union, but we're going to hold it off. No, a no, no, bit no. This year. no state, state of the City. State of the Mark. City, excuse yeah, me. State of the City address. In, uh, perspective. Yeah. Which, which lets folks know what's coming the next year, what's, you know, so the capital improvement plans over the next five sure. years or whatever. So we're going to hold that off because you want to do that with, a, with an audience, correct? Yeah, I like to do it with people in the room. It's not yeah. the same, you know? So there's nothing um, earth-shattering or earth-shaking that, that we can't push it off for four or six weeks. So we'll, we'll play it by ear. The COVID stuff is going in the right direction. So I think we'll be in good shape based on what I've read. Uh, what a number of medical doctors and folks are saying right now, it's going to crash quickly. We've seen that in other countries around the world. So yeah. rather than, you know, speaking to an empty hall, <laughs> it'd be kind of <laughs> nice to have some some folks in the room. So we'll deal with that at a later date. Uh, the old method was inauguration, then midterm, inauguration, then midterm. But with the four-year term now, we, we call them the state of the city. So yeah. it gives an update to the city, to the council, Anyone interested uh, from, obviously, the administration's perspective, specifically the mayor's perspective, <laughs> what's going on in the city, and uh, give them an update. So we'll do that in the uh, near future. Great. So what are those books that are sitting there on your on your? Well, I'm, as I'm you know, you uh, to, to coming discuss. off of Christmas, you know, I get a lot of gifts from friends and family members, and a lot of them are books because people know that I, I kind of like to read, and I go through... I go through times when, particularly COVID, I was book after book because there was, wasn't a whole lot else to do. I had uh, a couple that I'd recommend people. I, I just finished the one. Actually, you gave me this one, Mark, uh, yep. by June Jean Becker, the man I knew, which was uh, she was the chief of staff, for George H.W. Bush, after his presidency. So 25 years as an office of the president when they leave, actually is staffed by the federal government. And, of course, they're under a lot of requests. And this was a, interesting. Rather than just reading a biography or somebody's thoughts or, you know, getting to the, all politics. This is really the human side of George Bush, the father. And I thought it was so well done. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. In fact, they texted Ron Kaufman the other night because Ron's mentioned in the book, Ron was a Quincy guy who was a political director for both presidents Bush he worked for. Uh, and I said, Hey, I saw you on page 174 of Gene Becker's book. He texted me back, said Gene is the best. And that he went on to say, uh, what a great, great guy and mentor George Bush was to him. So, so if anyone's looking for things, I like history, but this one is a little bit more, it's more about family and friendship and the human side, as I said, of, of uh, a great politician. He was extremely honorable. I think in history, he'll go down much better than what appears today when history judges him. He was part of that. Obviously, he was vice president for eight years under Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, his resume was incredible. Yeah. Congressman, CIA director, ambassador to China, 
uh, World War II vet, star, shot down as a pilot oh, in Japan. I mean, just incredible resume. Probably one of the most prepared to be president. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the, the Kuwait War. He had a mission, got in and got out. Um, and uh, he had a very high popularity, and, and he was upset in the election by by Bill Clinton at the time. So, uh, I I just admire him. I thought he was extremely. Ad- and one of the great points it out in this book too. One of the great moments I thought was. Uh, Helmut Kohl, who was the uh, prime minister of West Germany, talked about the reunifica- reunification of Germany would not have happened if not for George Bush. It would not have happened. He brought the world leaders together. Russia wasn't in favor of it. Britain wasn't in favor of it. And other European countries were afraid of it because of history. But then when it all came together and happened, there were those that said you should get over there. And he said which is typically not a political answer. Instead of being in the limelight, he said, no, this is their day, not America's day. Yeah. And, and, and it worked well. And with Germany is, oh, yeah. Germany's been the engine of, of the European Union for a long Incre- time. Oh, really, the economic engine, that is. You know. Save uh, Greece. So great book, uh, The Man I Knew by Gene Becker about George H.W. Bush. And then this one, uh, those of you who are Quincy people or claim to be Quincy people, <laughs> another great one is The Lost Founding Father, which is about John Quincy Adams. I've read a number about him over the years. This was my favorite. It's done, uh, the author was William J. Cooper. Oh, that I'll read. That one I want to read. There's so many books written about him. Fascinating. He was such a complicated guy. He was a genius. Both of them, him and, the, him and his father, were so principled, so principled. Yeah. And their story is relevant today because they... They talked about a lot of things, and uh, and and they was they they weren't party people. I don't mean going out to party, <laughs> but I mean you know political parties. Yeah, yeah. They they would be today's independent, right? They, they really would. Yes. So you know, in that game, because it was so principled, didn't couldn't play that game very well. They were both one termists. They got rejected the second term. But one of uh, one of the lines in this book was one of his foes in Congress because people forget he served the only president to go back and serve in Congress for eighteen a number years. Of years. Eighteen years, he was and after he died, and it was the biggest funeral Washington had seen until Lincoln's. It was incredible, and the outpouring of of sorrow at his passing, and his this political foe said John Quincy Adams did belong to a political party. He didn't belong to a district. He belonged to the American people. Yeah. And that was really so true. Great, great words. But if, you, if you're a reader out there, you want to know more about, you know, these guys and ladies, they walk the grounds we walk today. Yeah, you know. think about that. It's pretty Amazing. remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's said by most historians that John Quincy Adams by far had the highest IQ. He was really a genius yeah. in many, many ways. But he was not a social guy. <laughs> No, no. no that, was, that was a little bit of a challenge. In fact, well, the, if not for his wife, Louisa Catherine, he probably wouldn't have been the president because she was the one that used to put on the parties in Washington and she was a socialite. Well, think about it. His father at the time, was, it was all timing with John Adams, too. A very, I mean, he was a brilliant man, too, and a great oh, leader. And our four, Absolutely. Our, one of our real four forefathers. John Adams was at, was at the right time in the right place. And, of course, his principled mission was amazing. So it was all captured a lot easier to sort of unravel. It's not as easy to unravel John Quincy Adams is because it was over such a long period of time over in Well, he was he was so brilliant. He was he was a diplomat, he was an ambassador. Yeah. He was just, he was the US senator from the days when the state legislature appointed the senator. In fact, yeah. he's in the profiles of courage at JFK wrote because he resigned the seat after a certain way of he voted because he voted his conscience rather than what he was being told by the party to vote. So uh, there's many, many lessons in this book and in his life we could all learn from. I'll definitely read that. Uh, for sure. But it was, it was pretty, pretty cool because I mentioned the word uh, making George Bush more human. This book made John Quincy Adams far more human to me. Really? It uh, really did. And is he took a train 
Rye to the end of his, his career and went to, he was invited to a number of places to speak. And all of a sudden he was seeing that uh, people did like him, that, that people did acknowledge his incredible contributions yeah. to the country. And he was like the last one connected to the founding fathers. Mm. You know, he worked for most of them yeah. <laughs> that were presidents prior in various roles. Arguably the greatest secretary of state in the history of our country. Right. The Spanish territory, the Monroe Doctrine, which is given credit to President Monroe, but it was written by John Quincy Adams when he basically said, look, if anyone screws around the Western Hemisphere, you're screwing around with the U.S. of A., so be careful. Because in those days, you had the imperialistic nations yeah, right. all trying to expand. And, mm. and uh, so, at any rate, uh, great, great book, Lost Founding Father, if you get a chance, by William J. Cooper. Two great books. I'm not going to share the books that I'm reading right now because they're too politically charged, but I have been listening to a lecture called Dante's Inferno by Anthony Eslin. Okay. Which is kind of fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. That's all I'm going to talk about. With well, the other book I just <laughs> finished was, uh, Eric gave to me, was uh, a, it's a small book, actually. Robert Conrad is the judge down in North of South Carolina. Huh. And uh, he wrote a book on Thomas More and John Fisher. Fascinating. Wow. Uh, two, two incredible. You talk about principle, like yeah, John Quincy Adams. These guys were absolutely principle. They yeah. just, they went against King Henry VIII and nobody got in his way. If you got in his way, you would be headed. You know, and two of these guys uh, beheaded. The last words of uh, Thomas More were, I am the king's servant, but God's first. And, and, that, and that was uh, both of them had come down to it. Uh, they wouldn't put their faith aside for uh, the king. Fascinating. So, good stuff. Fascinating. Well, I think that's a good episode. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we'll come back next week with all kinds of info and what's going, what's happening in the city of Quincy. Always consumable bits here on the uh, mayor's podcast. City View with Mayor Tom Koch. And um, that's about it, Mayor. What do you think? Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you. Until next time.